dialed up the Patriotic American Citizen Podcast. I'm Ted Flint. Good to have you along with us. Phil Collins opening things up for us. I had a friend of mine say to me through an email, he said, what's with the what's with the uh, disco at the show's open? <laughs> Phil Collins is disco? Anyway, I, I read recently where Phil Collins is experiencing some uh, bouts of depression. He's, his career was huge in the 70s and 80s and into the 90s somewhat, but mostly 70s and 80s. But... What a fine performer. I've always always loved that song. Something happened on the way to heaven. Let's uh, discuss, and I you know, I say to myself, I'm not going to do anything about COVID, I'm not going to talk about COVID because that's all we hear about. That's all we've been hearing about for a year and a half now. Understandably, it is the, uh, the biggest, uh, I think, health crisis we've had, certainly in my lifetime. But I want to touch on something, on a column written by a gentleman that I've interviewed, I don't know, maybe eight, ten times over the years. Wayne Allen Root has his own talk show. In Nevada, drive time, 3 to 6. He writes a column for WorldNet Daily. And uh, I think it's WorldNet Daily. Yeah, WorldNet Daily. And the title of it is, The Government is Lying About Vaccines and Ivermectin. But why? And he thinks it's all intended to force everyone to be vaccinated. Well, I believe that much. But why would the government want everybody vaccinated? Well, to be to be safe. So everybody can be safe and, uh, you know, not contract this virus. It's killed 660,000 people. But he talks about the, the uh, efficacy of the, uh, of the vaccines, especially in Israel. Now, we've been led to believe that these vaccines were the, the be-all and end-all initially. Now we're finding out that fully vaccinated people are contracting the virus, and many of them are dying. First of all, the, the, the country of Israel, the state of Israel, is the most vaccinated country in the world. And we've been hearing from the CDC and the U.S. government that uh, the vaccine is our only chance to survive COVID. But people in Israel are hospitalized and they are dying with COVID all the time in Israel. We're not hearing about it. There's a media blackout uh, in, about the situation in Israel. And I'll just read you some uh, sentences here from Wayne Allen Root's piece. It's really good. Go to worldnetdaily.com and it's up there. But let's start with the vaccine itself. The results in Israel prove that it's a sham, a charade, and a fraud. This whole business, this COVID. I don't know if you know this. I didn't know this until I until I read this column that anyone who dies within 14 days of getting vaccinated is considered unvaccinated. So no wonder the, the, the media is saying that everybody who is dying is unvaccinated. That's not if you die from COVID-19, whether you're vaccinated or unvaccinated, they just say you're unvaccinated. If you die within 14 days of your second shot. Now, I got my second shot about a week ago, so I have another week. So my luck, I'll <laughs> I'll pass on to heaven in, in six days and they'll say that I was unvaccinated. But the CDC has also been using stats of COVID deaths going back to January to make the claim. And I know you've heard I've heard this a million times that deaths are almost exclusively among the unvaccinated. Now, we've covered this in, in uh, Massachusetts. There were like 5,200 cases of people fully vaccinated, these breakthrough cases, and some 500 deaths in Massachusetts alone. I brought this up to my uh, pharmacist as he was giving me the shot. I said, did you hear about what's going on in Massachusetts? Well, he hadn't. And we had a discussion about the uh, the effectiveness of the vaccines. I didn't want to get into it, an argument with him. I mean, he's a man of science or a man of uh, medicine, being a pharmacist. He knows far more about this kind of thing than I do. But I told him I read some of the things I read about the vaccines or the efficacy and the and the safety of the vaccine vaccines themselves. But I, you, this is why you cannot believe everything the government tells you. 
Israel. Again, the most vaccinated country in the world. They all got the Pfizer vaccine, which I got, by the way, the Pfizer vaccine, uh, two shots. Now, at first, the deaths and the hospitalizations went to almost zero in Israel. They declared victory, but then everything changed. Today, there's a massive COVID-19 outbreak. It's engulfed the entire state of Israel, the entire vaccinated state. Hospitals are full. People are dying. And I, I read here in this column that Israel has more COVID-19 infections per capita than any country in the world. But how could that be if they're the most vaccinated country? They are setting records, Israel, for vaccinated people in hospitals. Deaths are skyrocketing. Again, Sweden has just banned travelers from Israel. Other EU countries will certainly follow suit. Then I didn't know this either until I read this. These doctors, he's, he has some uh, friends who are uh, homeopathic doctors, holistic doctors. And he claims in this column that the doctors say vaccinated people are far more contagious. They carry heavier viral loads and are far more susceptible to getting severe illness than someone with natural immunity. Again, I don't know that to be the case or not to be the case. But why the, the big push to get vaccinated? Biden and the, the entire administration, the CDC, of course, the U.S. media, just pumping this vaccine, pushing the vaccine passports. And that's all I want to spend on it. Just say, I've already blown six minutes on this. Uh, let's see, I want to get to a couple of other things. One is this uh, spending proposal. Democrats, they have this $3.5 trillion cradle-to-grave. Uh, they're going to expand the social safety net this spending bill over the next decade, $3.5 trillion. Now, it's anything but a done deal. There's some Democrats, Joe Manchin of West Virginia and Kirsten Semina, or Semina rather, of Arizona, are saying they would not accept such a costly plan. They, there's two Demo At least there are two Democrats that have some common sense. Other than those two, I can't name one. Certainly not Nancy Pelosi. $3.5 trillion. Now, we're almost $30 trillion in debt. This is, and I'm not going to read this thing to you. I saw this on Yahoo News. It's a New York Times piece, Jonathan Wiseman. But it's like, what it is, it's a redistribution of wealth, a massive redistribution of wealth. Cradle to grave. They're going to reweave the social safety net. And they claim it's it, due to decades of income inequality. So they're going to they're going to make sure that everybody, there's less income inequality. How do you do that? Well, you tax the rich. And they say they're going to raise the money by taxing cor uh, corporations, basically the uh, the jobs providers, the, uh, the wealth producers. They're going to tax corporations to pay for this. They're going to tax everybody, frankly, if this ever passes. Maybe we'll spend more time on it in a future show. But I, I, I looked at that today. I'm thinking, this is, we don't need this cradle of grave protection. We already have this. In most cases. But I think the Democrats realize, certainly Biden and Harris realize that the Dems are going to lose both houses, I think, in next year's midterms. They're going to uh, lose the House for sure. I mean, the Republicans picked up 14 seats in the last election that Trump lost. Republicans gained 14 seats. They almost certainly, Republicans will take back the House next November, I, I hope and pray. And, and the Senate could be in play as well. And I think, uh, I think, I don't think Joe Biden's going to finish out his first term. I'm not hoping that he doesn't finish out his first term, because if he goes down, we got somebody, I think, infinitely worse in Kamala Harris, ready to take the reins. I mentioned education, I think, in the top of the show. No, maybe I'd, it was a prior show I mentioned education, then I restarted. But this is something that I want my daughter to address. I mentioned she's uh, 
going to SUNY Albany. And it seems like, I don't know about you folks, but everybody I see, certainly uh, when I drop her off in the morning uh, for her, her classes at SUNY Albany, I, I see more and more young women trying to pass as young men. Everybody's bi or trans or, or gender fluid, all this other nonsense. It's hard to tell men from women in many cases. I'm, I'm seeing more and more of this. And at Emory University, they are actually decorating the dormitory with all kinds of, of change. It's a Christian university. And the residence hall is getting a we're here, we're queer. It's a LGBT mural. I read this today on Red State. I couldn't believe it. And I'll just read you a few of the, uh, the excerpts here. As reported by Campus Reform, the school has permitted a local artist and a graduate of Emory to paint murals in one of its residence halls. Alabama Hall now features art dedicated to gay pride. And the taxpayers of, of well, some of them, it's a Christian school, so it's presumably a private university, are paying for this. The work portrays an assortment of multicolored people with raised fists, which tells me they're probably communists or Marxists. The raised fist, the black power salute that we saw in the 60s and we, that we've been seeing a lot more of lately. That's, that's communism when you see that raised fist. One figure is holding a sign heralding the kiss. A couple bear rainbow pride flags while the group collectively holds a banner exclaiming, we're here, we're queer, get used to it. Well, we're not going to get used to it. I'm not getting used to it because it's aberrant behavior. It's abnormal. It is immoral. It's sickening. These, these people are, they are they're messed up in the head. I almost said something else. They, uh, they've got issues. It's not acceptable. It's not normal. And despite the media trying to normalize all these people and trying to uh, paint them as somehow they're normal and we're abnormal for not getting with the program, homosexuality is a mortal sin against God and against nature. It's against God's plan. It is demonic. I don't know how else I can... You get the idea. It is, it's of the devil. Now, here's what makes this even more egregious is that Emory is a Christian college. That's what really is, I, I can't fathom why a Christian university, a, a Christian college would allow this. They should say, no, that goes against Christian principles and, and Christ's teaching and the word of God. We're not going to permit that here. This is not a state university. This is a private Christian college. That stuff doesn't fly. Nobody's got any guts anymore. Christians are meek. You've got to stand up and you've got to, you've got to say what's what and you've got to tell people what's right. Don't be afraid. Also painted in this dorm is a characterization of two Democratic politicians. Uh, one is uh, Georgia Rep. John Lewis. Uh, he died recently. And former Georgia gubernatorial candidate Stacey Abrams. And they're standing beside Martin Luther King Jr. That makes everything all right. Now, the culture is changing and it's not changing for the better. Education is changing. Education is not changing for the better. And the same, I guess, could be said of religion. And I think many denominations are liberal, more liberal than, we'll say, Catholics. I was born and raised a Catholic. Methodists, the United Methodist denomination, which is Emory's official affiliation, is leading the way in this Protestant progressive transformation. They always have. Methodists have always been on the cutting edge when it comes to progressivism. They're getting away from the word of God because they want to put people in the pews. But that's why the Methodist church, attendance at, the, at Methodist churches is dwindling. I know that the local church here in Cambridge, that church is, is 
the doors are closed. People stop coming. People want to hear scripture. They want to hear truth. They don't want to hear that I'm here, I'm queer, get used to it. You know, the Presbyterian Church, the National Presbyterian Church is extremely left-wing. And the further you get from the Word of God, the more these kinds of troubles you're going to have in there. There's so much I can get into. I'm running out of time already. But uh, the council, there's a council in this uh, Emory College, and uh, it's the Southern Methodists University Human Rights Council. They wrote an open letter lamenting that the last three homecomings had been dominated by Greek organizations with mostly white members, you know, with the white privilege and all. So the council demands or demanded the notion of a king and queen be put to rest. It vowed to boycott homecoming till Southern Methodists meet four demands. And the four demands are abolish all uses of gendered language in the homecoming process, including the phrases homecoming queen and homecoming king, enable all participating organizations to nominate up to two candidates for homecoming royalty, regardless of sex or gender identity, Provides all stu- or provide all students the opportunity to cast votes for up to two candidates for homecoming royalty on a single ballot page that is not separated by sex or gender identity, and select winners and runners-up for homecoming royalty in a gender-neutral manner. I would just tell them to drop dead, basically. I know that's not Christian, but that's we're going to have to dig our heels in the sand, folks, and deny some of these people the, the foothold they're getting, because it's, they're taking over on every level of government. Uh, all across, the, the culture is being dominated by the radical left. And I'll have my daughter speak to it. She can, again, she's a uh, freshman at SUNY Albany, and we're having issues again with the uh, this mascot uh, debacle here in Cambridge. The liberals want to get rid of the uh, Cambridge Indian mascot. They say it's offensive and it's racist. We've talked about it before and it's creeping up again. I didn't think it would, but it it's it's doing it. I mean, I thought we had the issue settled. We won by a three to two vote the last election. All the pro mascot people got in. And then the liberals went above the Board of Education and they contacted the uh, State Board of Education. The state It's like, it's not there. Why even have a Board of Education if you're gonna, going to go above their heads on this? Next issue, we'll talk about it. Again, if you want to listen to some fine programming, we have it for you on the BMG Network. We have this program, Pac-Man. We have uh, the Adrian Ross Show. We have the Ken and Mike Show. The Ken Burns Show, Mic'd Up with Mike Hansen, and Set Apart with Kristen Kuhn. Some really fine programming. Check it all out. If you want to get in contact with me directly, it's pacman at thebmgnetwork.com, all lowercase. And if the Lord wills it, we will talk to you soon. The Pac-Man Podcast was produced and edited in the BMG studio. Music by Kevin McLeod. For more episodes of the Pac-Man Podcast, go to the bmgnetwork.com or go to the BMG Network on Facebook. And be sure to tune in to the next episode of the Pac-Man Podcast with Ted Flint.